You deliver us, you deliver us, you deliver us. 
So just some points that I saw out of Joshua 3. So listen, Joshua rose. He set out from Acacia Grove. And we came to the Jordan. And they lodged. And then they crossed over. Or they were getting ready to cross over. I believe that we, in a, in a real way, have crossed over into something. This is not normal worship. The presence of God is moving among not only us, but many, many places in America today. We've been praying for a great awakening. God has been hearing our cry. He wants to awaken the church more than we, we could ever imagine. He wants a bride that's ready for Him. And He wants the will of God done. Not only the kingdom to come, but the will of God to be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Now, for the will of God to be done, you have to have people that yield and surrender to that will. And they said, no longer my will, but thy will be done. It's not going to happen by osmosis. Somebody said that this morning. Asia said that. Okay, God, just zoop osmosis. No. He uses people that are surrendered to Him. So anyway, I believe we've crossed over into something. And I ain't going back. I'm not going back. I'm not, I'm not. Anyway, here's what he said. I'm going to do it quickly. So they set out from the place, and he said, you set out from your place and go after it. Number, number one, go after the move of God in this hour. Go after what God's called you to do with all of your heart. Go after it. Go after God. God likes to be pursued. He does. How I many of you know that? And you, if, when you search for me with all of your heart, why do we get talked out of it? All means all, all of your heart. Some of you are saying, David, quit yelling. I'm going to try to quit yelling. Number one, go for it. Number two, and there should be a space between you and it. In other words, don't touch the glory. You know how some people have built enterprises and they've built up empires over the move of God or a little thing that happened in their church or in their life and they built an empire. Can I prophesy to you, all those empires are about to come crumbling down. Because that's not God. God's not building the empires of men. It's the kingdom of God that's coming. Anyway, don't touch it. Do not come near it. And then he says in verse 4, you've not passed this way before. We've got to get out of this church mindset We've not been this way before. If you haven't been this way before, how are you going to know what's happening? How are you going to set the agenda? Well, because if you set the agenda, then you are going after what you have done before rather than the belief that we've never passed this way before. Now, you can do that as a church. You can do that as an individual. And just live off of yesterday's manna. Yesterday's anointing. It's a new day. God does all things. He does new things. Now, yes, we don't throw away some. We're not going to throw away the Bible. We're not going to throw away the things we know, the truth that are solid, the faith. We're going to contend for the faith. That's what we're doing in this hour. We're contending for the faith that has once and for all been delivered to the saints. Who said that? Titus. When we get to heaven, we should go see him and talk to him. Titus, that was an awesome thing you said. And I pre he's going to ask you, well, it was an awesome thing, but did you do what I said? Did you defend the faith? And that's the next thing. And then he goes on, and Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourself. 
For the Lord will do wonders among you. We've got to sanctify, set ourselves apart as holy to the Lord. It's a daily process. Holy. Be ye what? Holy. Be ye holy. What do you think God wants in the church in America? A holy bride, a holy church set apart for Him, for His purposes. That's how we get into the will of God. We yield, we sanctify, set ourselves apart. And then Damar, the Lord will do wonders among you. In other words, we're to have an expectation. God's going to do wonders tomorrow if we do what He's calling us to do today. People are living for tomorrow. God, tomorrow you're going to do this. Tomorrow you're going to do that. He will do that if we do what He said today. You know what I'm talking about. How many of you say, yes, I know? Some of you, you're on hold in your calling. You're waiting for the fulfillment of a glorious grand vision of tomorrow. Yet you've not obeyed today. You yield to today. Yes, God, you do today and God will be faithful tomorrow. And you will see God do wonders among you. That, that makes a lot of sense. I could just preach here and forget the rest, but I'm not. Because it's all going to fit and the rest goes very fast. Well, kind of fast. And then he says, This day I'll begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And the word exalt means to make great. And God wants the church in America to be great again. Great exploits. Great faith. Great perseverance. All these things. And we've, you know, you can take off into that. And God's going to demonstrate in America that He's with the church in this hour. He's not with everybody that calls Him Lord, Lord. Because they're not doing what He said, but He's with those who say, Lord, Lord, and they do what He says. Now we know, yes, generically, He's with everybody. I don't want to just be a generic. I want to be a son. How many of you know what I'm talking about? A son of the living God. No generic here. And then so Joshua said, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And so that's what we want to do when we gather. Church cannot gather to do what it's always done. We must hear, thus saith the Lord in this hour. If you're not speaking, thus saith the Lord, sit down, get some, let somebody else anoint somebody, but get out of the pulpit. It's thus saith the Lord. We need not thus saith man. It's thus saith God. What's God have to say about things? You know, I think about, I, you know, all these pundits on TV. You know, they're pundits. I don't even know what a pundit is. All I know is, thus say it. What does God have to say? What's God's opinion? And then the Jordan, now this is serious, overflows its banks in verse 15 during the whole time of the harvest. You remember the book Rick wrote, The Harvest? And how he defines the Jordan overflowing its banks? The Jordan represents death. But at the same time, there'll be a great harvest. And that's also can be the death to the self crossing over. It could be your final, your final death. But at the same time, in all that's happening today, God has a heart for the lost. He came. We need to go back. Why did you come in the first place? One of the reasons was to seek and save that which is lost. So we got to go, take the city. I hope all of those that are part of this church will be a part of that next weekend over at Talia's. And we've invited other churches as well. And then they cross over opposite Jericho. In other words, Jericho's where they had some pretty big battles. 
God will line us up. If you follow Him, He'll line you up for the next battles. But don't fear. He will give you the strategy to overcome them. He is a conquering King. A conquering King. And He's going to lead His people that trust in Him. And then the priests who bore the ark, they stood firm on the ground. we got to stand firm in this hour. Wishy-washiness is not going to work. you got to know in whom you believe. you got to know where you're going to stand. Stand on His Word. Don't let the enemy's lies cause you to be shaken. Everything around you is going to be shaken. But if you're standing on a solid foundation, you will stand. The solid foundation is obedience. It is Him knowing Jesus, the rock. He's a rock. You know, He's a rock higher than all, most of us. He's the rock higher than I, the psalmist says. Much higher. Much, 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 much higher. And then all the people that cross over completely over the Jordan. In other words, we want everybody, we want every denomination, we want every believer in America to experience this awakening and get in your post. We need the whole church awakened. We don't need some... Left off this, we need everybody doing the will of God. Well, you know, I could have just ended right there, but I'm not. Because I want to pick back up. I'm going to kind of move to a different theme. It's only 11.28. We got all of eternity. I mean, we're going for lunch somewhere, but it'll save. It'll save. We gotta be about this business. We gotta be about God. Listen, there's a night coming when no man will work. I like taking sabbaticals and th- but listen, take God on your sabbatical, but there's no sabbatical from the kingdom work that we're called to. Even when you're on, you know God, you know what I'm talking about. So, Lord, help me. Jesus, help me. Lord, we're not just talking about this. We've got to have a move. We've got to have the Spirit of God. We've got to have an outpouring. Lord, you've got to help me wrap all of this up. God, you've got to... Lord, I thank you. You promised me years ago that the word that you send forth as I speak in faith will not return void. You said it would accomplish the purpose for which you send it. Lord, I thank you. It's not about my words. It's about your word. It's not about my personality. It's about the person of the Lord Jesus. It's about you. It's about the spirit of the living God living in the church, living in all of us. So, Lord, anoint us. Bear witness with your word. God, we pray for signs and wonders following. We're going out on the limb, but we trust the God that will come with us and do those things that were We're known as impossible, but they'll be known now as possible. Lord, we thank you. We are among those apostles of the possible in this hour and in this day. So, Lord, we give you praise and glory. Lord, I know there are people here that need miracles. We pray for miracles, signs and wonders, sovereignly, God. And when you instruct us to lay hands, Lord, we want to participate in the purposes of God, but we don't want to touch your glory. And we will not in this place with your grace and with big angels holding us back. So that's what we're asking for, God, because we're human nature. We run after our own way that seems right to us. This is about your way, your day, your son, 
your word, your spirit, your anointing, your glory, your harvest, your nation, and the nations of the earth. So we thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want you to go with Acts chapter 11. I'm going to breeze through this, but we've got to go after some mountains. Say mountains. You know there are things standing in the way. And we're going to do something this morning. We already did it. You know, you guys are a little bit radical. You know, the enemy tried to knock Haley off. If you haven't noticed, she has a... Hey, Shirley, would you bring me something to wipe this off? But anyway, you know, her, one of her eyes is a little bit... She got hit by a firework. Something in, who do you think, who's doing stuff like that? The enemy. But he did not win. He's not going to win. And you shall see, saith the Lord. Somebody spoke, you shall live and not die. You shall see and not be blind. The deaf hear, the blind see. I mean, this is the real stuff. If it's not the real stuff, we can go home, sit in the couch. It's the real thing. Okay, Acts chapter 11, Peter has an encounter with heaven. If you haven't had an encounter yet, we're praying before we leave here in a little bit, you're going to have an encounter with God. Some of you may get a dream. You may fall asleep. I'm going to believe that if you fall asleep in this message, God's going to give you a dream to awaken you out of that dream and alert you, startle you. I've heard people had dreams about hell. Now, that, that'll wake you up. It'll also give you a passion for the loss. You know, we all could look, but you don't have to have a dream. Just read about things in the Bible. Blessed are those who they believe, though they've never seen. You know what I'm talking about. So anyway, they see a, have a, this encounter, and they see that the gospel is not only for the Jew, but for the Gentile. And an angel tells this group to go to Joppa. You're going to see a man, Simon Peter. He will tell you things of which by your whole household will be saved. Remember that. This is the hour. We need whole households saved. But not only the household of our family, our nation, in a sense, is a household. That's why the Lord said, He said a house divided against itself might not stand. Is that what He said? No, it will not stand. The Word of the Lord is America divided today against itself. That nation will not stand. So we need the salvation of the household called America. And God, that's His heart. That's the agenda of the hour. He wants to do it. Now, I've been reading this book called From Pentecost to the Present that Rick Joyner challenged us to read. And, he, and they, they're three volumes, and they're big, thick books. But the author talks about how it was the French Revolution that really launched liberalism. Liberalism. This, that which we are faced with in this moment because it invaded our universities. It invaded many churches invaded, you know, high school. It just invaded the land. But it's of the Antichrist. Now, not just being liberal and giving. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what liberalism, this liberalism we're facing, means. Progressivism, same thing as Marxism, socialism. You know, these people that think socialism is a party. It's a give me all you get, you know, free stuff. 
It's not having, it has nothing to do. You may get a few free stuff, but you're selling your soul to get the free stuff. Over 100 million people have been slaughtered at the hands of socialism. And so we have many today proudly wearing that banner. You know, they were called Jacobins during the French Revolution. The Jacobins, this is how intolerant they were. Everyone that even had a slightly different political opinion from them would be executed. And so they, there was blood in the streets in France. Some of you know, you've studied the Jacobins. You know, it's really wild. There's a magazine today called the Jacobin Magazine. They've revived it. And many of the authors are sitting in our House of Representatives under the term Democratic Socialist. They write in that Jacobin magazine. They're not Democratic Socialists, they're Socialists. I'm telling you, I'm just going to tell the truth. I ain't got time. you got to tell the truth. 30,000 people were slaughtered in the streets. Many died in prison. But guess what? At the same time of the French Revolution... The Spirit of God was moving on the earth. At the same time, He was moving on the hearts of men and women in various places of the earth. And these people were calling on God. They were crying out for the outpouring, a move of the Holy Spirit in their generation. And God was hearing their prayers. And God was moving. In spite of man's revolution, the greater revolution is what God is doing in the earth. And there's an ultimate, final, great revolution that's going to sweep in a harvest of the witch. We would not, our minds and eyes cannot even begin to conceive. Our God does greater than you've ever dreamed. No eye has seen, no ears heard. You can't even imagine the things that God will do. That God will do. He will be put in. It's His plan. It's His purpose. So God's raising up people, as He did in that hour, to cry out, For the move of God. Now, Acts, where were we? Chapter 11. Remember we read this verse a few weeks ago. It's very important. In verse 15, he said, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, as upon us at the beginning. Now, what was the beginning? Pentecost. So the Holy Spirit was poured out again. And can I tell you, again and again and again and again and again and again throughout history. Somehow, we got into this thing of pride and saying, well, I'm baptized with the Spirit and now I have it all. You have a whole lot. You have more than you'll ever know. But I'm telling you, there are outpourings. If you look at history, every move of God, the movements of God, the great ministries have always begun with a fresh outbreak, outpouring of the Spirit of the living God upon people. It's always happened. As it was upon them, as upon us, at the beginning. Then I remember the word of the Lord, how John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so, it happened over. You know, the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles, right? I don't think that's the best title. I don't know if we can change it. It's probably been there too long. But it should be the acts of the apostles who were filled, led, baptized, surrendered, yielded, empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's all about the Holy Spirit. There would have been no acts of the apostles had there been no acts of the Holy Spirit moving on the church. 
stirring them, filling them, anointing them for action. Now, we need to be reminded of this. The Spirit of God comes, first of all, how? Remember, were you there that day? To us. We need the Spirit of God to come to. You cannot. We need the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The loss. How the loss is going to be saved? Because we go out. No, yes, we go out. But the Spirit of God goes before. And He makes a way. And He, he cuts the heart. And they know they need a Savior. No man is going to come to Him unless they're being drawn by the Father. So He comes to us. And then He's going to come in us. Right? So He came to us to convict us. Then He came in us. When we called upon Jesus as our Lord, right? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why he says, you destroy your temple, God's going to be a little bit most upset. You remember the scripture about that? It's the temple. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're born from above. And then he comes, what? To us, in us, upon us, all through history. You can read it in the pages. There were people that saw a fresh outpouring and the Spirit of God descended upon them and empowered them for the hour that He might work, number four, through us. Say, through us. So say, to us, in us, upon us, through us. Now, the Jordan River, you know, in what we read earlier, is overflowing its banks during the time of the harvest. I can't help but think... That's what's going to be with us. We're going to be overflowing our banks during the whole time of the harvest. Listen, we're not going to be those who are half half empty. We're going to be those, your cup runneth over. If you get to know who you are in Jesus Christ and what He's done for you, what He's promised in the Word, you're you're going to be on the earth walking around with your cup running over, not your cup half full. If you're looking to Him, your cup is running over. You have more than you... Oh, God. God, give us a revelation of this. So we looked at some examples. And the first thing we talked about was, and why not, we live in Moravian Falls. And we looked at Zinzendorf and how there was division and strife. And they were persecuted. And they went and hid out on Zinzendorf's property. But they began to cry out to God, God, send a fresh anointing. Send the Holy Spirit. Fresh baptism. They already knew the Lord. They were crying out for an outbreak of the Holy Spirit. And we know the story had happened. The Spirit of God fell. They all fell to the floor in that little gathering. Then a hundred-year prayer meeting was launched and missions that, where they would sell themselves as slaves in order to reach the gospel. They were a part of, or they helped influence the Reformation and so many things. There were signs. There were wonders. There were miracles. There were great. It was a great outpouring. Even Jesus gave us the example. Was Jesus the Son of God? Yes, and then it says, and then all of a sudden he came from the wilderness. He came, we were, were we singing about the wilderness today? I'm no longer in the, say I'm no longer in the wilderness. I'm coming out. I'm, that was a prophetic declaration. We're coming out. It's a prophetic declaration to the church. We're coming out. We're coming out. We're coming out. Jesus said he came out in the, in the power of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was upon him because he anointed him. But there are many other examples. George Fox. How many of you ever heard of George Fox? Now, not John Fox, the Book of the Martyrs. How many of you ever read the Book of the Martyrs? Probably should read that again in this hour. Might be a good thing to read. You know, what do you think the people were during the French Revolution? They were martyrs. 
and the stories are unbelievable. Just because they had a slightly different political opinion, they were not worthy to live. I tell you, that spirit is alive and well in America today. That man's dream, that, I don't know his name, I, I know his name, I'm not going to say it, but I'm telling you, that was a word from the Lord. How are we going to operate when many people around us are possessed? Either you're going to be possessed by the Spirit of God, or you're going to be possessed by the other spirit, the unholy spirit, the Antichrist. You know, this is all boiling down to either you're for me, or you're against me. You cannot, you can't call them two, you can't have two masters. You're going to love one, you're going to hate the other, but you're going to have one master. You know, they've told us you can ride the fence. You can't ride no fence. You're going to fall off on one or the other. God's going to shake you off the fence so that you will make up your mind. Either you're going to have the faith in God or you're going to have a faith that's opposed. It's the spirit of Antichrist. That's where we're living. It's just happening in this hour. But anyway, George Fox, he founded a group called the Quakers. The Quakers. You know what they did? You know why they were called the Quakers? The Spirit of God was poured out upon them. They start quaking. There was another group called the Shakers. What was the difference in the Shakers and the Quakers? I don't know. The Quakers are probably a little more violent. You know. I mean, you, you could hear the Quakers. Now, John Fox was just no... This was a typical Quaker meeting. I cut this out to read there. But first of all, let me tell you, Fox was not just some wimpy guy. Fox not only rebuked judges and magistrates, he rebuked lawyers for putting their personal gain above people. He rebuked doctors for not giving credit to God for healing. He rebuked merchants for dealing unfairly with their prices. And entertainers for causing men to fall into sin with their crude jokes and their ungodly humor. And then it says, in turn, Fox was often imprisoned. That, you would figure it. You know how we're going to know when we're really on fire for God. Some of us are going to go to prison. If you desire, if you even desire to live godly, you're going to suffer persecution. Do you know why it's not happening so much in America, although it's beginning to heat up? Heat up big time. It's only going to get better, worse, for better, for, I don't know, better, for worse. It's better in that what God is doing, He's bringing forth a bride without spot and blemish. It's worse if your hope is in this life. But anyway, here's a typical meeting. He said, while waiting upon the Lord in silence, we got to recapture that. We should just come and don't say a word. Don't sing. Wait for all the people that came to play church to leave. And then, because I'm telling you, they, they'll leave. They'll leave. They're not going to, what are you talking, you ain't got, you know, I've come here to get my weekly fancy or whatever you know. You know what I'm talking about? I want my fix, my religious fix. We don't want no religious fix. So while waiting upon the Lord in silence, we often, as we often did for many hours together. Now these were the Quakers. You wonder why they quaked? With our hearts turned toward Him, being stayed in the light of Christ from all fleshly motions and desires, we often received, often, 
received a downpouring of the Spirit upon us. And our hearts were made glad. Our tongues were loosed. Our mouths were open. And we spoke with new tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And His Spirit led us, which was poured upon our sons and daughters. Thereby things unutterable were made manifest. And the glory of the Father was revealed. He goes on. Being prepared of the Lord and having received power from on high. We went forth as commanded of the Lord. We sounded the word of the Lord and did not spare and cause the deaf to hear and the blind to see. And the heart that was hardened to be awakened. And the fear of the Lord went before us and behind us and we took hold of our enemies. Thank God for George Fox. We need more George Foxes today. You know, in the 1670s before America's independence one New England leader he saw the condition he started crying out God we need a new outpouring we need a new anointing we need the spirit of God to be poured out his name was Samuel Stoddard no no Samuel Stoddard lived in 1713 I'm going to get all my facts right because somebody might listen to this and no he didn't live in the 1600s evidently there were a lot of people crying out for a Holy Spirit outpouring All through history, you read the stuff. That's what they cried out for. They knew it was not a work of flesh. It was a work of the Spirit. Oh, Samuel Stoddard, he wrote, the grandfather of Jonathan Edwards, he said, The Spirit of the Lord must be poured out upon the people, or else religion will not revive. He believed there must be seasons of revival that will quicken the believers, convert the sinners, and cause the disinterested to suddenly get interested. One minister wrote, Pray that the Spirit would be poured out upon every part of the land. That's our prayer today. Every denomination. We're not going to leave out the Methodists. What do you think you got that flame on your little symbol for? Just to uh, remind you of the past. You don't even know your past. You don't know your history. Listen, that flame is to set you ablaze for the hour at hand. 1727, an earthquake struck New England. I'm just going to share a few facts and then we're getting into the don't, don't lose, don't go to sleep. We don't let people go to sleep here. An earthquake struck New England. Suddenly, the churches were filled to capacity. It reminded me of 9-11. All of a sudden, they started singing on the White House at the Capitol steps. In that day, many were converted, but revival waned. Didn't last. The people became complacent. Then finally, in 1733, God answered a grandfather's prayer. He raised up his grandson, Jonathan Edwards. And the presence of God was poured out. It said in that time, the town seemed to be full of the presence of God. There were miracles, manifestations, outbreaks of laughter, visions, trances. People would fall on the floor and they would go into trances, sometimes lasting up to 24 hours. They would be on the floor having encounters with God. They were seeing it open heaven. The glory of the Lord was filling the house of the Lord. One pastor moved to Virginia. He said there were times it looked like the whole floor was covered. We couldn't get around. There was no place to walk because of the conviction of sin. Now, we know that America, the, the early believers believed that America was to be a Christian nation. The believers, 
And they knew the only way that was going to happen is if people were converted. The only way that's going to happen is if God sent the Holy Spirit and people began to cry out to Him. You want to know the times in which we're living. Do you know last week we had a Cherokee chief sitting right where Shirley is sitting? You remember that? Cherokee chief. I looked, you know, I don't know a whole lot. I know Bobby Connor said when the Cherokees, there's something about the Cherokees coming back that will ignite the move of God. I remember hearing that. And then I did a little research. There are people that have searched all this out. You know, the Cherokees were one of, there were like 110 tribes. They were one of five that were especially open to the gospel. You know, and there were reasons for that. But you know what happened? They were uprooted. Where we are right now was part of the Cherokee nation. And they were uprooted. They went on the trail of tears. This chief lives. No, he lived. He lives now. At the end of the trail of tears. He's coming back. Somebody bought him land. He's moving here. He's moving here to Moravian Falls. I'm seeing prophecy fulfilled. Stuff is happening. Did you know there was a move of God among the... You know, they ran most of them out. But there were some that ran into the hills. And they was down like, I think, around Murphy, North Carolina. And all in, you know, this North Georgia and Tennessee. But God is moving today. And then, you know, I, we have, I have a friend who had a... Oh, me and Eric. We went out to where we were told. You remember years ago? It's taken all this time. But Eric had a vision to go in Wilkes County where we had heard there were Indians or, you know, First Nation that were slaughtered. So we went and remember we planted stuff in the ground, handkerchiefs, and we prayed. Oh, God. God honors that kind of stuff. He honors those kind of prophetic things. That was, I don't even know. That was like eight years ago or so. But then there's another man that is a part of this family, and he had a dream about Paul Revere. You know, he's how we are to be like Paul Revere, sound the alarm, and we're trying to do our best. Lance Wallnow, he was so upset that he said, no, you know, none of the pastors are standing. We're doing our best here. We're really doing our, We're going to shout when nobody else is shouting. And it's up to God to trumpet the voice. But some of these guys with big names need to rise up and stand for the truth. If I can stand for the truth, you can stand for the truth. But anyway, Paul Revere. Getting back to Paul Revere. It, it hit my friend. He said, wait a minute. Not only are we to be like Paul Revere. Do you remember there was a group called Paul Revere and the Raiders? And they sang a song called Cherokee Nation. How they were driven off their land. You should look it up. You young guys don't know anything about it. But right at the end, it was in the 60s. Right at the end of that song, they will return. They will return. They will return. It's a prophecy. Guess what? They're returning. The Cherokees are returning. Now some of you say, how do you know all that's God? I just believe it is God. God's a big God. God's doing stuff. He's doing stuff. Could he have prophesied through Paul Revere and the Raiders in the 1960s? You bet he would. You bet he can. This is an incredible time. You don't want to be a part. You know, Mario, before the word from the president, and Mario presented something on Facebook, 
His initial word this week was about the great falling away versus the great ingathering. How they're going to happen at the same time. You look around, there's folks falling away left and right. They're falling away from what? The faith. Just like the Bible said. They're falling away from the faith. They're no longer walking in faith. They're no longer living in faith. Many of them don't even have faith anymore. People say, well, I'm not even going to go there. All I know is they're falling away from the faith. You define it as you want to define it. It's what he said. It's what the book says. I don't even know why I said all that. But anyway, we're not going to fall away. There's a great ingathering. Why did I say that about Lance? Nobody remembers. You can't read my mind. I expect Shirley to read my mind all the time. Shirley, where did I put my glasses? Shirley, where did I put my keys? Shirley, what was I thinking? You ever been there before? So let's just start over and go to Isaiah 64. It'll come back. There's something there. Holy Spirit, bring it back to my memory. There's something we needed. There's something that's vital, that's key. Well, let's just go to the Word because that's a key. Now I'm going to move real fast so you listen real fast. It's like I remember Francis Japan saying, he heard about, he was preaching, preaching rather long. The man got up, walked out the door. Start, before he got out, the pastor said, wait, sir, where are you going? He said, I, I'm going to get a haircut. The pastor said, well, what do you mean? Why didn't you get a haircut before you came? He said, before I came, I didn't need one. Never mind. Okay, Isaiah 64. We're not even, we're nowhere close to that. Not even close. Isaiah 64. We got to have this. Oh, say oh. Oh, that you would rend the heaven. This is our prayer this morning. God, oh, that you would rend the heavens. That you would come down. That the mountains might shake at your presence. We're going to go back to that in a moment here. and That's how we're going to end it up. But to make... No, look. Verse 2. As fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil... When Bobby was here before in that little school of the supernatural, that's what we need, the water of the Word to, to boil in this hour. We need the Spirit of God can only cause the Word to come alive. And then in verse 2, it says, To make your name known to your adversary. Do we not need God to make His name known to the adversaries of the church and the adversaries of our nation? That the name of God be made known. They're not impressed by us. They will be impressed by Him. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down. And then it talks about how from the beginning men have not heard, they've not perceived by the ear, nor the ear eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for Him. And the wait, there's waiting, but there's expectation. Their expect, expectation is in God. And then on and on, in these ways we need to be saved. And I remember when we preached on this in a little bit more detail, that scripture really meant a lot to us in verse 5. It's a word to America. We, in other words, for we've sinned. And in these ways we continue. That's where America is, continuing in the ways, and we need to be saved. And the answer is Jesus. And we went ahead and talked about 
all of that. We need God to rend the heavens. We need God to break up the mountains. We need the mountains to shake. Now we're going after something here in the remaining time. Are you with me? We've got to have these mountains to be shaken. What mountains am I talking about? You've got mountains that you're facing that are standing in the way of your achieving what God said you would achieve. What's your purpose, your calling? Mountains. First, I just listed a few. First of all, there's the mountain of unbelief. Say unbelief. You know, what was it that kept the people from entering the promises? Their unbelief. Why was it that Jesus could not do many mighty works? It was unbelief. You know, we want to be known in Moravian Falls as people that believed God. They believed God, that God could do the impossible. Now, I know, you know, sometimes there's a struggle. But remember, it's biblical. He, remember the guy that said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. How many of you have been there? Be honest. God, I believe, but help. My circumstances say everything but what you said was going to happen. So God, help. Why don't we just ask Him? God, help. I believe. Say, I believe. Help my unbelief. And I thank you, God, that you'll do it. You'll do it. Lord, we prophesy to the mountain of unbelief. We command that mountain to be torn down in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. They, he may not have done many mighty works then, but he's doing mighty works now. Because we believe in Jesus' name. And then there's the mountain of despair, discouragement, disappointment. You know, there are a lot of people that if... They haven't totally fallen away. They're on the verge. But they've fallen away in some regard because of disappointments. They had, their dis they had some appointment in man. They, they believed some man or woman was going to fulfill their appointment. If, you're appoint if you have a divine appointment with God every day, you're not going to be disappointed by what men or women do or don't do. Nobody's going to be able to meet your expectation. No pastor, no man, no woman. God set it up that way so that we would be disappointed in one another, but never in God. In Him will never be put to shame. He will not disappoint. And this is the hour we're going to have our appointments in God. He's going to show Himself strong on behalf of His people. But there's so many discouraged. They need hope. Romans, Paul said in Romans 5, we also glory in tribulation. Does anybody have an eraser? <laughs> Glory in tribulation? I thought this thing was pain-free. I thought it was a rose garden. I thought there were no afflictions and trials. We glory. This is the difference in the earth. The church in the New Testament from the church today. We glory in tribulation. Knowing. You know, when you know this, you can glory. Knowing that tribulation produces, what? Perseverance. Why would God want to create perseverance in us? Because he that endures to the end shall be saved. And perseverance, character. That speaks for itself. And character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint. Why? 
Why does hope not, does not disappoint? Because the love of God has been poured out in our heart by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I thought about your dad's definition of first love. You know, the father's love. I don't know if that was the whole picture. You know, we all see dimly, but it sure sounded good that day. If you are convinced of the love of God, you're going to have a hope that nobody is going to be able to take away, take out of your heart. It, you're going to have hope in your heart because you're loved of the Father. The love of God constrains, controls. And, and you just, it's going to produce a hope. It just has to do it. It's just the way it is. And then there are mountains of deception. You know, we're going to see this more and more. We, we watch things happening on television and, and we just mind boggled. You know, we read about these things. God, how in the world? How could this be? How can people believe things like, how can they say things? It's deception. How do deceived people know they're deceived? They don't. Or they wouldn't be deceived. And so what will break the deception? The truth. And you shall know the Abide in the truth, but you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. Somebody's got to stand up and tell the truth. If the government won't do it, in fact, we want the government to do it, but that's not their ultimate role. Guess whose role it is? The church. We're the pillar and support of the truth. If we remain silent, then the truth is going to be hidden. We've got to stand up and speak the truth. So be it. You know what I'm talking about. If you don't tell the truth, who's going to know it? Mountain of deception. We've got to see that come down. In America, it only will come down as the truth rises up. And the truth is not just facts and figures. It's a person. You shall know the truth. I'm the way, the truth. And then there are mountains of religion and tradition that choke the Word of God. Boy, are there mountains. These are mountains. These are big. Traditions are not all bad, but when we replace a tradition with tradition with the Holy... You know what I'm talking about. It, we replace the Spirit. Here's what I learned. I'm just, I believe all of it's biblical. You say, well, can you do this? I believe I can because it's things I've learned over my 35 years in ministry. I know some of you are saying you don't look like that, but I'm telling you. We've been around. The religious spirit. He just Some of you, somebody came visiting today. You need to know this. How are you going to know the religious spirit? The religious spirit. Well, often those who accuse others of having one are themselves operating out of one. How many of you, know, how many of you found that to be true? Well, those folks over there got a religious spirit. That guy's operating out of one. I found that to be the case. And then a religious spirit is a work we know that replaces the Holy Spirit's work. We know that. It's a work that masquerades as a work of the Spirit. It's a work of their enterprise, of the flesh. It's built on selfish desire and selfish ambition. You know, there are entire works that began because of selfish ambition. That's why there are demons running loose in that place. That's what the Scripture says. It drives the life out of the church. It leads to complacency, satisfaction, apathy. That's where the American church is, apathetic. We're on the verge. Stuff is happening. The trumpets are blowing. 
the, prop, the president's prophesying. Television's telling us what they're about to do to you. And people are apathetic in this hour. It makes no sense. They'll write about it one day in, a, in some history book. What happened to the United States? We must awaken. We have no choice but a great awakening. There is no other opportunity. There's no other antidote. The Spirit of God must be poured out from on high. All over the land. And then it leads people into a false Christianity. Remember what our one of our mentors and fathers, Billy Graham, said? He said, many people have just enough religion. They've been inoculated from the real thing. And we need God to come and smash that thing of religion. I have a feeling He's going to do it. When you turn the heat up and you turn the fire up, religion can't handle it. It'll be burned up in the fire, the works of the flesh. And only that which God is doing, the eternal work. And then, it's, it's my work, my ministry, my mentality, me, my, 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 my. Oh my, that's all I can say about it. Then it's a critical, accusing spirit. When you hear people criticize and accuse, you can know they are pretty well operating in a religious spirit. Presumption. Presumption. I remember that. I remember Bob Jones talking about that. It's a presu- When you are so presumptuous that you know, then you're probably operating out of a religious mindset and spirit. And then there are mountains of pride. Mountains of pride. God resist the proud. People are rebuking the devil when the one resisting them cannot be rebuked. And so we, he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself. We need a dose of humility in America, in the church. Then there are mountains of disease, sickness, and death. This morning, Aaron texts me. They, they have to go back. You guys, some of you know who Aaron and Jesse are. They ha- they're on the plane to go back, you probably know it, to Nicaragua because their daughter has this, had another uh, seizure. And they couldn't get her in to see a neurologist. So anyway, they're from, the wife's from Nicaragua. Who's in the midst of a civil war down there? No, not a civil war. Aaron told me it's genocide. It's what's happening. So they're going to try to rescue their daughter. And I'm thinking, God, how can this be? Their son, Yosef, has this problem. He was born with heart issues, and now their little daughter. Listen, we got to rise up, guys. We can't just stand for these things in our midst. We're going to pray right now and rebuke that demon off. Listen, this is not, this is demonic stuff. Some of you, if you have faith, you grab hold of this for you, for your child, for yourself. Father, in the name of Jesus, we take authority over this spirit of infirmity. We take authority. It has no authority over the church. We rebuke you in Jesus' name. Off of Talia. Off of this little girl. Off of this family. We loose them from this demonic assault, just as we prayed for Rodney and Brenda, and so we prayed for our loved ones. We rebuke every spirit of infirmity. Go! We bind your power. We're the church of the Most High God. Greater is He that's in us than he that's in the world. Cancer, go! 
in the name of Jesus. And I curse that foul spirit called Alzheimer's disease that took my mom. I command you to go. Get off of the people of God in the name of Jesus. We break that spirit of God. We take authority in Jesus' name. And your word says you've given us all authority to trample upon scorpions and serpents and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm us. And everything associated with that foul demon in the name of Jesus. It took my mom last ten years of her life. She lived in hell. I'm telling you, God wants to bring heaven on earth. His king, what do we think we've been praying for? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then there are mountains of spiritual darkness and that's where Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelieving and the people today don't give up on people politically listen it's not about a polit political thing it's a spiritual thing that America's facing it's not about the R's or the D's it's about it's, it's a spiritual matter we're wrestling against demons that we've not faced before but I'm telling you I'm prophesying demons have not faced this generation before of believers in Christ Jesus. And then there are mountains that cause division and that prohibit unity. There are mountains that, that hold back revival. Mountains, obstacles that present breakthroughs in nations and cities and families. I'm going to tell you a story. There's a scripture over in Mark 11. Okay, we're, we're coming in for a landing. Okay? Mark 11. It says, Have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. I took a group of people. We went over to see Rodney Howard Brown because we love Rodney. He's one of our friends. We just appreciate him. I appreciate all the people from South Africa that have been sent to America as missionaries. And anyway, he got you guys got prayed for, and uh, so did Jerry. And Jerry, anyway, Jerry's with the children, but he just, he went, oh, there he is. He's back there. He went, the Spirit of God came all over Jerry. Let me just put it that way. We need that to happen all over us. We need just more and more and more and more and more. Listen, the kingdom of God is about joy. The joy of the Lord. We need joy erupting in our services all over. We just need it. That's the kingdom. Anyway, he told this story. So I'm going to repeat it. Is it okay to do that from time to time? I'm giving credit. I always in my mind. I feel like you always should give credit where credit's due. But there's nothing new under the sun. So anyway, he tells a story about how Marco Polo, he read in a book, Marco Polo was traveling through the Middle East... And he ended up in Baghdad. And Baghdad was a city where there was, you know, a lot of trade going on in that day, the Marco Polo day. And anyway, he heard about a group of believers that were living near Baghdad in the mountains. And what had happened was there were also the, the Muslims, those who worshipped Allah. And the leader of the Muslims came to the patriarch of those, that little group of believers. And he somehow heard about this scripture and says, do you believe this scripture? Do you believe that? That if you speak to the mountains, they'll be removed. Do you believe it? And the 
you know, the patriarch said, yes. He said, okay, prove it. Make that mountain move. You have ten days. If you don't move the mountain, you will be given over to the sword. Or we will own all that you have. But if you remove the mountain, then I'm going to acknowledge, I'm going to put my trust. You know, something like that. So what do you think those group of people did? They went to praying. Night and day, crying out to God. God, when you're facing the sword, you will cry out to God. So they're crying out, God, move the mountain. God, move the mountain. God, we have faith. We speak to that. They were speaking to the mountain. A man had a dream, if I understand, or a vision, one or the other, about a one-eyed shoemaker. Now, if I don't tell it right, you help me. But a one-eyed shoemaker that lived not too far away in another village, that this man had divine grace upon his life, enough to move that mountain. So they, went, they found him. And they said, you must come with us. We have a mountain that needs to be moved. He's, well, you know, he's humble. Man. What are you talking about? I, I, I'm just me. I, what are you talking? Well, they weren't open to any of the things he had to say. You're coming with us because we're all going to die if you don't come. And God showed us, so he came. Started praying. Now, you have to know why he was a one-eyed shoemaker. It's important to the story. He was one-eyed because... He was a shoemaker and he was fitting on shoes with a young lady and somehow her dress flipped or turned or twisted or something and he sinned with his eye. And he remembered the scripture. This is the way the story goes in those days. He remembered the scripture that if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better to go into life with one eye than be tossed into hell with two. So he plucks his eye out. So anyway, this, this man's praying, crying to God. Oh, God. See, he, he was a humble man. He believed God's word. He believed the other. Why shouldn't he believe that? Anyway, so he's believing the word. And guess what happens? God sends an earthquake. And the earthquake brought the mountain down to the ground. And the Muslims, Islam, the caliph, whatever you call him, they were going, Your God. Is God. You know. And what, and in really, it's a true story. I looked it up. I looked it up. There are a lot of versions. Some versions, three days. That would have been much more pressure. I'd really take the ten days. So I'm going to go with that version. That's the version we heard. But anyway, they would celebrate every year throughout history. They would celebrate the day the mountain was removed. Yes, they would. And then Rodney told us that something was astounding. He wanted to find out, was this group of people still around? Did they exist? So he called, what's that man named? The Bishop of Baghdad. You know, we heard about him during, I forget what he is. I don't know, but he's a, no, the Bishop of Baghdad. So they call him. They said, it's this group of believers with, that moved the mountain. They were the Coptic Christians. You can read about it online with, in Coptic literature. Guess what happened to the Coptic Christians? They were murdered. They were slaughtered by ISIS. Which tells us every generation needs people that will walk in divine grace. Every generation. You can't leave it for others to do. We all have to rise up. Because now they're gone because of ISIS.
And I'm just believing that God's raising up a generation that's going to have divine grace. How do I know that? Okay, this is, uh, this is where I promise I'm closing. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Remember, he Zachariah, told Zechariah, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. And what in the context was going to be removed? Mountains. These mountains. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit saith the Lord, these mountains. And it said it will be written on the capstone, grace, 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 grace. God has given this generation grace, 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 grace to move the mountains. Now, I want to pray if there's anybody here, because we have to, we, we, we do, we're going to be faithful. We got to get ready I, I believe we have a strategy. So we're going we're gonna to... I'm going to get a bunch of books, man. I'm getting a bunch of stuff. Eyes not going to see and ears never heard what I'm going to... I'm believing for a big God. I'm believing for a God that's going to blow the socks off the devil. Bob Jones saw a billion souls. If he can see a billion souls, and I can see a couple million. So anyway, we're not going to go there. But if you're here without Jesus... You don't know that today if you died, you would go to heaven. You want to know Jesus. And right now God's drawing you. The Spirit is convicting you. You say, I want to make sure maybe you're not where you were at one time. You've fallen away and you've become cold. And you want to say, I want to come back. I need a fresh... I need God fresh. I'm going to surrender. I'm turning from the ways of the world. I'm turning from those things that produce coldness in my life. I'm repenting. I'm coming back. I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I want you just to raise your hand right now. Okay, there you go. Good. Anybody else? I know I want to know Him. I want to make sure He's Lord of my life. We're going to pray. Okay. Pray right now. And we're going to believe God. You pray this out loud. And we're all going to pray it out loud just as a reconfirmation of our faith. But we're going to make sure. So, so just say, Dear God, I need you. I believe in Jesus. That He is the Son of God. That He lived a sinless life. That He died on the cross. And He rose from the dead. And I confess my sin. And I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. Wash me by your blood. Make me whole. Fill me afresh with the Spirit. Fill me with your love. And so now by faith, I receive this gift of salvation. I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And I'm confessing with my mouth His Lordship over my life. And I thank you, God, that whoever calls upon your name shall be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, how many of you, and that one that raised your hand, we want to give, put something in your hand. We want to place some literature so we just help you. Anyway, how many of you are facing some kind of a mountain? I want you to come up. We're going to pray after a mountains that are going to just stand. Everybody stand. But there's some kind of a mountain standing in your way. I don't know what we mentioned, but there's some other mountain, whatever it is. You say, there's something standing before me that's too big for me, but I'm going to believe it's not too big for God. And we're going to, we're going to bring it down this morning. We're going to pray. 
the, the prayer of the saints, the faith of the saints. We can move mountains. How many of you know that? So anyway, I know there are more of you. And if, you, if there's no mountain facing that you're facing, guess what? There's a big one standing in front of America right now. It's more. It's big. We need to go after it. Okay? So we're going to pull them down. Okay, just come worship the Lord. Just worship Jesus. Worship the Lord. Could somebody play this? Uh, I would try, but if I tried, it would be really messy. Would somebody play something. Let's just worship. Focus on God. How many of you are okay with time? It's just, I, I thought I was going to end before now. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to know what I'm doing. I only want to know that God is doing what He said He would do. We don't need somebody that has, as a professional, and He's got it roped out, He's got it mapped out, He knows the plan. We need God's plan. We need God's plan. We've got to be desperate. We've got to be like those people. They were crying out to the mountain. And then God spoke. He gave them a word. He gave them the plan as to what to do to move the mountain. And they did. They obeyed God. And the mountain fell. But the problem was the people over generations, they forgot the story. They forgot the grace. And something happened. And all of them in that particular group were killed. And so, God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would revive the faith of that one-eyed shoemaker, God, in this place this morning. And in the name of Jesus Christ, you speak to the mountains. You speak to them. You say, I speak to my mountain. You call it what it is. I speak to this, whatever it is. You speak to it. Lord, we speak to these mountains that are standing in the way. We speak to the mountain of religion. We pull it down in Jesus' name that's blinded so many from a relationship with Jesus Christ. We pull it down in America. Oh God, forgive us where we preached an easy gospel. We left out the cross. God, we pray for a revival of the cross, of the preaching of the cross. That we must die to ourselves daily. Lord, we pull down mountains of pride, God, arrogance, unbelief. We pull that down, unbelief in Jesus' name. We pull down mountains of despair, disappointment, hopelessness, discouragement. We speak to our... Be hope in God. Hope in God. Oh, my soul, hope in God. Speak to your soul. Say, oh, my soul, hope in the living God. There's hope in Him, in His love. God, we pull down right now sickness and disease, mountains, poverty. Oh, God, they're mountains. Father, we pull down right now in the name of Jesus this political deception over our nation. We recognize that it's not about a party. It's about a demon. It's about spiritual matters. And God, we call on the name of our God. We call on the God of heaven and earth. And we ask you, God, open the heavens, rend the heavens again, send a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church in America, God. Lord, send the rain from heaven. We're a dry and thirsty land. Cause the water to boil again, God. All over America. Remember Jonathan Edwards' grandfather. Remember the grandmothers. Remember those that cried out. God, send another great awakening.
Lord, we ask you. Right now, we speak to those mountains. Come down. The deception that's leading people to believe that it's okay to hate. God, we pull it down. God, we go after our brothers and sisters that are, Lord, they've been blinded by this thing. We pull it down and we pray they will have a confrontation with God. It's not too late. It's not too hard. Nothing is impossible with our God. Lord, we pray for America, that America shall be saved. God, can a nation be saved in a day? Yes. Yes. When God begins to move. So we pray right now, Lord, for fresh outpouring in this place. How many of you need a fresh outpouring of the Spirit? Fresh anointing. Lord, there are people visiting with us. A church from Cincinnati. God, we want them to go back full of the Holy Ghost so much. God, that they would begin to fall out on the floor. People can't get into their building because of the people out under the power of the Spirit. God, we pray, send the fire of God to Cincinnati, Ohio, God. Send the fire of God. Lord, wherever people are from, we pray, send the fire, send the anointing, God. Let the oil of heaven break out in those cities, those families. And Lord, we pray for our households. We pray for our sons and daughters to be saved and to walk in the calling that they have on their life. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray, God, there's some good men and women that are in positions in our government and state governments. God, would you fill them with boldness? One of the fruit of the outpouring of the Spirit is boldness. And they spoke with boldness. God, we ask you to change Jeff Sessions' heart. And all of a sudden, he'd become one of the boldest men in all of America. And back him up, protect him, send big angels to guard him from those that would want to harm him. We pray for men and women in our state houses, our governments governors God we ask you to raise up a great army that'll trumpet the word of God Lord we thank you for the grace you've given us in this moment we are so grateful as Americans no I don't believe we believe we know we know what would have happened but God we know we're here and we say here we are send us use us and I just pray, God, for a fresh anointing upon all these people, Lord. Fresh oil, fresh oil, oil changes this morning. We're not going to operate in yesterday. We've never been this way before. So we release fresh anointing for 2018, 2019. And we declare what we sang earlier. We ain't going down. We're not going down. We're not going down just like our Jesus rose from, we're going to rise up. The church in America is coming alive. 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 We prophesy. The church in America is coming alive. I don't know if it's 10, 15, 20, 10,000. I don't know how many. All I know is we're coming alive. We prophesy. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And we thank you for it, God. So, Lord, come. Spirit of God. Fire of God, Spirit of God. We read about these stories. We want to make our own stories. We want people to read about this generation that defined the times by their faith and their walk. 
their sacrifice, their endurance, and their love. And so, Lord, we pray for that love, that baptism of love that is going to be required. Because we know that God so loved the world. And until it's all over, that will be our trumpet call. For God so loved the world. We thank you, Lord. Now, I'm telling you, some of you may not... I don't know if you believe it or not. It doesn't matter. It's happening. Some of you are going to get the same grace on your life. Don't go pluck your eye out. I, I don't... You know... I don't... I, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you not to. I'm just, but I'm telling you, that's faith. I wonder where that guy is in heaven right now. I wonder if he's somewhere on the front row. I don't know. With two eyes. But anyway, I'm not saying do that. I'm saying that the divine grace that was upon his life is upon you. Right now, okay? To move mountains. When you go out that door... When you go to your city, you go to wherever you live, when you cross the border of that state, if you can do it, if there's a way to do it, get out and prophesy to the mountains to go in those states, in those cities. Cause them to go. Blindness, whatever, just go. You're a child of the King. The same God, same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave. Same Spirit lives in us. Amen.